So I wanted to talk this afternoon about maintaining balance in a world gone insane. I don't know if that's apt or relevant for anybody. <laughs> but you know, I, I, heard, I heard that you know, 10,000 years ago or so, before we were civilized people, it took about three hours of work a day to maintain what was needed to keep people in food, accommodation, and uh, medicine. So the hunter-gatherer society, or what was happening in those kind of times, that it took three hours a day to, to do everything that was needed in order that the basic necessities were taken care of. And the rest of the time was for interacting with each other and for music and for spiritual endeavors. And now that we have become so sophisticated, we spend 18 hours a day doing what we need to do to keep ourselves supported so that there's enough food and clothing and medicine. And we squeeze the time for interacting with each other and music and spiritual endeavors to tiny little fragments of time and occasionally an amazing day or a weekend or a retreat for a week or longer. So our spiritual world has gotten compressed alongside the enormity of complexity and details and duties of what it is to get through a day. And in addition to that, with the Industrial Revolution and the Technological Revolution, you know, we don't spend time with people any longer. We text, and we're on the Internet. We do Facebook, okay? It's now rare to call somebody on the telephone that's considered intrusive. We text to check to see that it's okay that we can call them, you know? And so the humanness of looking at another person's eyes and feeling their presence is kind of gotten in the middle of our world, which has us pulled back from each other as people and somehow um, disconnected from the world of nature and the world of being. And so we feel that, you know, the way, the way out of this Thing, is to do more and to do it more efficiently and to do it so that if we can if we can do enough stuff then we can stop doing and then switch gears and I wonder if that's an effective strategy because you know it seems to me that the more our lives are getting complex the more we are having to be present with things as they are arising and to touch the people that we are interacting with because they are important right now. In fact, they are the most important activity or engagement what we are doing is to be fully present with the people that we're interacting with right now. And when we walk to touch the earth So rather than walk in order to get somewhere, in order to do the things that we need to do, we need to shift our gears and begin to get a sense how bringing the fullness of presence into each moment is how we begin to start shifting this huge momentum and start living from a place of more ease and peace and well-being. And as we do that, Certainly, we're going to have the whole range of feelings that we have to navigate. 
the fear or the loneliness or the sense of lack or emptiness that we're longing to fulfill and that sometimes we have been longing to fulfill by trying to find solutions outside. And yet, when we shift the gears and begin to settle back into ourself and into the immediacy of relating with our world and each other, then we find that the present moment is the place where we can be fulfilled, not in the future. And the present moment is where we can bring forward the capacity to touch the depth of our sadness or our grief or our fear or confusion or emptiness. And in meeting what is arising rather than pulling back and contracting around what is arising, then there's a fullness of being that comes into presence as we meet what is there. Now, I don't know many of you very deeply, but I know what I have been through. And it's a huge rich mixture of stuff which has been unbelievably challenging and stuff which is unbelievably blessed and beautiful and glorious. It's mixed. And the greater I am able to meet the challenges, it opens my capacity for blessings and joy and ease and contentment and humor and laughter. And the more I have ease and well-being and humor and contentment, the more it gives the courage to meet what is challenging. So these two are constantly supporting and interweaving with each other. So in a world that's gone insane, all we really have is the present moment. And if we've got 10,000 things that we're supposed to do before the end of the day, the only one that we can really focus on is the one that we're attending to right now. And if there's 9,999 left, we start again tomorrow. And so for me, you know, what I have learned how to do is to watch the way the mind grabs onto things and then makes anxiety around the idea of what I am supposed to have accomplished today. Now, I have some health problems, and I imagine I'm not the only person in this room who experiences that. And when my health drops, my capacity drops. And if I impose the idea of what I wanted to happen today on top of a low system, I add stress on top of unhealth, and that doesn't help me. But if I attend to what's happening, which is is that I'm not feeling well, and I give myself the space to take care of myself, it happens more frequently than it doesn't, that it opens things up, and I have much more capacity the next time I apply myself. But if I bring forward the idea that I have all this stuff that I have to do and I should do it and I cannot attend to myself in a skillful way, then I'm not effective today and I'm not effective tomorrow and I'm not effective the day after because I'm still recovering. But if I bring a presence to what's happening now and a responsiveness and a kindness to what's happening now, 
And sometimes a miracle happens and I spend a whole day resting and the next day I've got tremendous energy and capacity to do what needs to be done. It's a present moment appropriate response recipe. That's the recipe. What's happening right now and how am I responding to it? And so what is really important about the body is the body gives us a frame of reference to be able to discern what's actually happening because the loops in the mind are sometimes so sticky and complicated. We can convince ourselves of anything. And back again. I was on the debate team when I was in high school and it was our task to be able to argue pro or against any subject at the drop of a dime. And so we got good at that. You know, how could you argue something for or how could you argue something against? And 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 we could we could justify our arguments and substantiate them. And I began to realize that the mind is actually incredibly slippery. You know, you can make a case for anything and be absolutely convinced that you're right. And so the body, when we learn to live as an embodied experience, we've got another frame of reference that gives us a signaling, wait a minute, or yes. So when the body starts tightening up and contracting, that's no. And when the body opens up and relaxes and begins to flow, that's yes. So no matter what kind of machinations we're going through in our head and how justifiable our arguments are, if we learn how to live with our body and use our body as a frame of reference, we have a whole other way of tapping into wisdom and discernment that helps navigate the madness of our daily lives and the bombardment of what is around us. Now, people who live in Boulder are in a microcosm of a world. There's a kind of, I don't know what you call here, a bubble? I don't know what it is. But, you know, I come from Colorado Springs and coming on the freeway, you can just tell on the freeway you're entering into an energetic, differently field. You know? I haven't even got out of the car yet, and I can feel it, you know. But even in Boulder, people suffer, you know. People feel fear and anxiety You know, they feel a sense of lack and an emptiness. They feel overwhelmed, confused. Because no matter how insulated the bubble is, the human being still lives. And this is part of what human beings experience. It's beautiful in Boulder. I'm really happy to be here. I love it, you know. Yesterday we went walking up in El Dorado Canyon and it's just gorgeous. You know, just absolutely gorgeous. So there is beauty in the nature around, and there's beauty in a city that has kind of regulations so that everything is not, you know, ten stories high. You've got views, and you can see, and the air quality is good. There's intelligence in all of that. But we can't use the, the politics or the cultural values instead of our own capacity to meet what's arising. It doesn't work. And no matter how good things can be, it can change. And that change can be a background anxiety of how do I protect it so that it doesn't change. And when we understand very deeply that change is nature, that is nature, then we can learn to relax with the flow of it 
and the movement of it rather than tighten and control and gripping around it. Now, it doesn't mean that we're stupid or it doesn't mean that we let people transgress step all over us or take things that belong to us. It's not like that. But when you don't have any control and the fire comes and takes your house, you don't have any control over that. And so there's an ability to meet even that kind of loss and move forward. Now, one of the things about in a world that's gone insane is is that we need each other. We can't do this all alone as an isolated kind of unit, independent, you know. And so it really is helpful to have times where we meet together and practice together and speak together and remember together. And it's really important when groups meet regularly that they begin to get under each other's skin. And rather than it just being a kind of a superficial gathering where people say, hi, how are you? Fine. You know, that we begin to really touch what's there for each other. And as the trust develops, you know, to be willing to stay, say to somebody, you know, it isn't okay that you trash yourself in front of me. It's just not acceptable. You know, so we we call time out when we see people doing things and looping in behaviors that are no help to anybody. It doesn't serve anybody that you trash yourself or you beat yourself up or you have an image of yourself that's like tiny, you know. So to move out of the kind of socially acceptable levels of trust into a group situation where people can know each other at a deeper level and begin to find ways to really support moving out of some of the habits that we have into something which is more life-affirming is a true indication of a community that is healthy and committed But there's the safety to be able to do that, the commitment to recognize the importance of that, and the perseverance to continue to show up. It's very important. So our bodies help navigate all of this territory by helping us stay grounded, giving us frames of reference that can cut through these loops of our machinations of mind that can swing from one into the other and back again and completely justify every single movement. And our bodies also help navigate the whole world of relatedness. You know, the fears, the insecurities, the self-consciousness, the wanting intimacy, the fear of intimacy the trusting, the feeling hurt because the trusting has somehow gotten touched or damaged. Our bodies can help us show us the way through how do we navigate the world in a way where there's fullness and presence and a sense of contentment and gratitude. Not as an idea that we impose, but as a reality that meets There's something that happens when a field is created. A field of safety, a field of trust, a field of people committed to awakening. 
You can see it in power spots. You can see it in certain healing spots. You can see it when people are in love with each other. You know, it's it's a kind of magnetic field that they're in, and they see the whole world in a different way. We have the ability to create a field, and we do not have to be in love with another individual person to do it. We can bring forward the intention to love, and that helps create the field, the intention to be awake. And as we create the field, it helps everybody relax into something that they are not having to do by entirely their own effort. I was in a healing place in Brazil, and it really felt like there was a whole village and everybody was in love. It, had, it was an incredible, heartfelt, loving atmosphere. Everybody, it felt like everybody was in love. But it wasn't like anybody was in love with any one person. They were just in love. And what was really interesting to me about being there was how much easier it was to do our internal work when you're resting in a field of love. Now, that place was energetically kind of amped up. It was on a crystal mountain, and there were all these people who were doing all this energy stuff. And so it was, it was charged that way and deliberately created like that. But we can do the same in our own small ways of bringing forward the intention to love and bringing forward the intention to wake up and the intention to meet what is arising with a care and a kindness and an interest. And let that bring forward the possibility for others. You know, we don't have to tell people. We can be with people in another way. Model, mirror, embody another way. And watch what happens when there's one person doing it or two people doing it or three people doing it or five people doing it or ten people doing that. And how that field then supports the field growing and that you can tune into it not necessarily only by being in the physical proximity but by remembering. And that was one of the things that was really amazing to me about living in the monastery. Is, is that the monastery was a physical place, but there were people who lived really far away, but they would just think about it, and it would be a tremendous asset and resource to them in their practice because it was a field that was not dependent on individual people, but the result of a collaborative intention to do something together. And you could touch into it, and that field was deeply nourishing. And if you have never experienced a field like that before, it's really hard to imagine what it might be like. It's like knowing that a retreat situation exists as a physical place that you can walk into at any point. You know, the kind of special energy that can come on a longer retreat. You know, it's like that. Anyway, these are some thoughts to tie together our practicing for today, and I'd like to shift gears and have a conversation and a discussion. Okay? <laughs>